Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And welcome back to another Ilmfi podcast with your host Shabir Hassan. And today we have a very, very special guest all the way from Canada. He's a poet, he's an actor, he's a filmmaker, he's a creative. It's the man, the man, the legend himself, Buna Muhammad in the building. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, good. Had good. a few busy days, yeah. I can see, in the UK. And, and you, you got caught in a storm as well, mashallah. Was that what you call a storm? That's what we call a oh, storm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just a regular day out here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that is a storm for oh, us. Okay. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I left a real snowstorm, by the way, in Canada. Oh, in Canada, yeah? I, yeah, like snow up to your knees. Wow, okay. So this yeah. was, the UK thought, is yeah. not ready for that type of no, weather, no. ever. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining us no on the problem. podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And obviously, I've uh, been following your work for many, many years now. Oh, um, I, th- I think for a good part of 10 years, I would say. Um, yeah, that, that, makes me, that makes it. me really old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I t- let me start with a funny story, right? Mm. And then we'll, we'll carry on. So um, I think about seven, eight years ago, um, you were at, uh, uh, an event known as a Global Peace and Unity event, GPU. Run oh yeah, by GPU. Islam yeah, yeah. Channel. And that was there big. Was, uh, they used to do that big was ones. big. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. big. Um, I think it was like some of the biggest events that we've had here yeah. in London. Um, yeah. So there was this poetry competition, mm. and um, there was a few people that. And I don't know if you remember, like you were one of the judges for this poetry competition. <sighs> I really like, it, was, it was like a side thing. Rehan is gonna uh, the guy who's in this. You can't <clears> see him, but he's gonna laugh because he tells me a bunch of stories, and I have no idea. Have I don't no remember idea any of them. Happened. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll tell you. And uh, so you were there. You were the judge. I think Brother Yahya Hawa maybe was like another judge. I can't remember exactly. Really? Okay. Yeah. And um, so you two were sitting there. And then there was a bunch of guys that came. And they did their poetry, uh, some spoken word. Uh, and then, and then yeah, one of my friends, he was there. He entered. And uh, you made him the winner of the, of the competition. How much did he pay me? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much he paid you in the end. <laughs> so I, I don't. I genuinely. Gave him, the okay. friend was me, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just okay. trying to be like vague about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, like multiple personality yeah, disorder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so so it was actually me. So I entered the competition, and then like you, maybe I was like, I was Allah. so, I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, Buddha Muhammad Allah. chose me as a winner of a poetry. Like, <laughs> I, I literally flooded that on social media. I was like, Buddha Muhammad chose me. You're <laughs> welcome. Hilarious. And, Thank and, look, you. and I've basically given you your career then. Alhamdulillah. Much. Yeah, that's it. Own feed is because of Buna because Muhammad. of me See that, I, people don't thank me enough you know subhanallah uh, it's funny like honestly I've, I've always had this initiative in my mind of yeah. trying to help other artists mm. um i think it comes out of the frustration i found of not having enough muslim artists yeah yeah so i've always you know opportunities like that i literally just did a poetry tour that was a competition last week i was in the u.s i was touring uh, the yeah. west coast of the u.s and we did something similar where we you know um would host this platform and mm. people compete and um it's one some of the one of the guys who I brought on tour with me was one of those guys who many many years ago I discovered yeah. him at his university as well. Nice. So it's just something that it's been a um, you know a constant trend of mine where you know someone like yourself will say oh yeah ten years ago I did this thing and you were that I was like yep you know that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's idea, just because I've been around for so long it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah it become exactly. like uh, furniture you know they just stick you in at any event they can but yeah yeah, yeah um, it's it's always you know a blessing alhamdulillah that you actually are able to provide young Muslim artists with that platform and that ability to share their work because you know mm. otherwise if we don't do it who will now, I think it's really important because like going back like I said 10 years I think is artists like yourself and Muslim Bilal that mm. uh, young people growing up like me we didn't have like alhamdulillah today I think there's a lot more artists sure. poets spoken word uh, in terms of the Muslim scene but I think growing up 10 years ago there wasn't that many so it would be yeah. people like yourself that we'd look up to and be like wow okay these people are sharing their their their, their art um, with the world, with an Islamic message, mm-hmm. uh, with a positive message behind it, and uh, and it gave that confidence. Alhamdulillah, even like you guys gave me confidence for my own poetry and spoken word, and, and alhamdulillah. So yeah, I think it's important. I think it's me- it's important what you mentioned about uh, supporting other artists as well, because um, I think there are. What do you think? Do you think there's too many now, or do you think it's we still need more? What do you think? I mean, I don't think it's really a matter of too many. Yeah. I think there's not enough good talent. Right. And I think that's partly due to the fact that there aren't enough platforms for people to get better. Mm. Right. So I have an advantage over most people because before I was introduced to the Muslim audience, yeah. I had already <clears throat> done my 10,000 hours. You know, right. they, they say that yeah, yeah, in yeah. order for you to perfect a craft, you need to do 10,000 hours of sure. it. I was already an accomplished poet. I was already an accomplished writer. I had mm. already toured. I had already done so much with my craft, mm. although it wasn't necessarily with an Islamic message. Yeah. So a lot of Muslims didn't know of me. But when I started tweaking my, you know, it was a more personal development and growth yeah, when yeah. I started becoming more religious. Um, obviously, my work took that same tone. Mm. But 
the actual skill itself, I already had kind of locked down. Like I already knew I was confident. I had done well. I had shows where I didn't do well. I had yeah. gone through that cycle. And I feel like with Muslim artists, those platforms don't exist. Mm. Uh, where can you perform and do badly? Mm. You know, like if you're going to be on a flyer as a young Muslim artist, someone's going to put you on in an event. Yeah. The expectation is, no, he's going to be amazing. Yeah, people yeah. are going to come. They're going to pay money. But really, I always find it more interesting. What avenues do we have for people to practice the craft and actually bomb, do bad in the mm. beginning? Because that's really the only way you get better. Yeah, it's so like true. any craft. You need to actually do it a few times. So I've done many, many, many shows, uh, you know, um, in my life where um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to do. Mm. I've done hostile environments. I've performed like, really? in, yeah, like high school students that didn't want to be there, you know, and they're just looking for an excuse to throw things at you or no boo way. you or whatever. And those experiences really shape you and they make you a stronger, more confident person on stage. So I've had that experience. Mm. And I realized that a lot of Muslim artists don't have that experience. And, and it's important because in order to cultivate that talent, you need to invest. Yeah. And unless we as a community invest in people's uh, opportunities to get better, uh, just like you know, as an imam or, or a khatib, mm. you know, your first khutbah is not going to be the best one you ever give. Course, but yeah. you have to give a first khutbah mm. in order for it to get better. You know, where are those platforms and avenues for you to kind of experiment along the way? Yeah, sure. Um, just on that note, by the way, what has been your most memorable event over the last 10 15 years where <sighs> even even like a funny like a funny moment like whilst you're performing or something you know yeah i'd love to say it's the one that you were at the one that i clearly didn't oh, yeah. remember, but <laughs> I, that's out of the question um i mean i've done I, honestly i've done a lot like i've done stuff that like most muslims wouldn't imagine you right. know um i've performed at like major conferences mm. i've performed at um i've done weddings Mm. I've done, uh, only thing I haven't done is like a divorce, like a divorce ceremony <laughs> or like a janazah. I haven't <laughs> done that, but I've done, I think, oh, I did one event that actually yeah. did stick out of my mind. I, I performed at uh, Imam Saraj Wahaj. I, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, you yeah. probably know of him. Yeah, yeah, of course. I performed at Imam Saraj Wahaj's 30 year anniversary of his masjid. His masjid wow. in okay. Brooklyn is called Masjid Taqwa. Uh, they had a 30 year anniversary event and right. this was, mind you, 10 years ago. This okay. is more than 10 years ago. Okay. okay? And I performed at that event, mm. and uh, you had Most Def who was there. Yeah, you had uh, you know any big name in like American Dawa or whatever. Mm. They were all there, and a lot of people there didn't know who I was. Social media wasn't as big. YouTube, yeah, it was yeah. a lot of big older people as well. And this is not to brag, but I did so well. Okay, <laughs> I went up and I just smashed it. Yeah, that like Imam Salah to this day. Anytime I see him, he talks about that. Really, and it was it was actually one of those experiences where I was like, I did such a good job. That everyone afterwards came up and talked to me and spoke to me about it because it was fresh. Like they didn't, yeah, they yeah, hadn't yeah. heard something like that before, and that was really memorable. My wife was with me actually. We were in New York. Funny enough, when I went back home, my house had been robbed. So oh, wow. nice twist of the story. Yeah, major twist, plot twist, plot twist. Yeah, and then there was another performance as well. Um. Yeah. So yeah, there was Imam Saraj's performance. Mm. GPU was really big as well back in the day. It I mean, was, GPU. Yeah. I don't know how many. There was like. 30,000 people there or something like that? It was at that. least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, you, when you get to really big venues like that, actually, mm. it's not mm. as nerve-wracking. People think it'd be more nervous. But That's actually, interesting you say that. I oh, find yeah. exactly the same. I, I hate performing in a, in a small room with like 100 people. Yeah, that's more nerve-wracking. Like 10,000 people. Yeah, it's yeah. Weird. Because once you reach a certain threshold of people, you can't yeah. see anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it becomes then, actually, it like starts reversing in number. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Once you reach like 2,000, 3,000 people, it becomes less because yeah. you can't see anyone. Nobody can see, or people can see you, but you can't really see them. Mm. Um, there was one other event I was going to say. Uh, I forgot. I'll come to it back. Yeah. I'll come back to but it. But I mean, you you would have traveled a lot now, right? Yeah. You know, in the last in the last let's say decade. Mm -hmm. Again, what would be one of your like standout places that you've been to? Clearly not the UK. Yeah, no. UK. <laughs> I mean, I've, UK is like you've I've been, been here so many times. times yeah. yeah, I've done uh, big events, small events. I think for me, I always find it exciting going to like exotic places or mm. places that are not on my roadmap like okay. uh, i've done a few events in nigeria okay. um i've done a few events in um malaysia is always fun like i've done malaysia singapore yeah. i've performed in the philippines wow you know so places that half the time i'm not even sure if they understand me i'm like am i you know <laughs> am i speaking too fast um south africa has been fun africa's fun like i like going to africa and performing yeah, yeah. um but yeah i mean for me 
once you start getting into the performance side of things and I'm confident in what it is I'm going to do, yeah. it's, and a lot of people sometimes have heard the poems before. So you see sometimes you'll perform and people are miming the words along with mm. you. One time I performed in Sudan, subhanAllah. Wow, okay. I performed in Sudan and it was actually a very, very big event. And it was like the Medical Students Association and this university in Sudan and Khartoum had come together and brought all these people in. Mm. And I remember performing and I was so jet lag. I mean, I arrived and I like time zone, everything was so skewed. Yeah. And I was performing one of my pieces and I actually messed up in the middle. And which doesn't happen often. I don't normally forget lines. Mm. But someone in the audience jumped in and actually oh, helped really? me out. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, no, the next line is this. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. And I just kept it moving. That's so, it. That, yeah, that, that's been fun. Yeah, alhamdulillah. You know, because you've been doing it for, for a while now, what would you, do you consider yourself, not in, a, in an arrogant way, but do you consider yourself like the pioneer when it comes to the spoken word scene in the Muslim in the, in the Muslim I mean yes and no I think for me like I I have always known of, I mean for me spoken word as a genre there's people that yeah. obviously have come before me that, yeah, I, yeah, would, yeah, sure. that I had benefited from uh, a lot of non-Muslims <coughs> for example but just stylistically yeah. for example yeah sure um, I think what was unique when I started was that um, social media was just kind of kicking off yeah so like for example YouTube was a big phenomenon that really helped mm. propel me yeah. although I'd been perform- I had been performing for a very long time in the traditional spoken word community it was a taboo to put your work online. Oh, really? Yeah, in the slam poetry scene. That. Yeah, it was a bit of a taboo, partly because the live experience couldn't be really be replicated mm. through a video, right? So you would see a video and it's like, okay, a video is cool, but when you were in that room, the mm. energy you know, doesn't translate. You don't really get right. it. So a lot of artists felt like a video wouldn't do their work justice. I so see. they didn't put their work online. So there's a lot of years where I just didn't want to put it online because mm. you know, that, that was a taboo that existed. But eventually I was like, you know what? I don't really care. It's fine. So then I remember... Actually, being a part of uh, it's a long story. I used to be part of a, uh, an actual like hip hop group. Okay, it was like an Afrobeat hip hop funk kind of thing, mm. and, and we had this lead. Uh, I was the lead singer of it, lead rapper singer, and I kind of felt really guilty about it. I didn't really like what we were. We were we were going down a pretty mainstream route, and we had a yeah. lot of people behind us that were supporting us. Some really big artists, and I pulled away from it, and I just was like, you know what. I don't want to be in the clubs. I don't want to mm. be doing this type of thing. So I, I kind of walked away from the group and I, I went and I studied in Egypt for a few months. Okay. And during that time, I had a, more of an Islamic awakening and I felt, you know, mm. like I had a clearer idea of what it is I wanted to do. And then when I came back, I released a poem online called For the Love. Mm. Right. And that poem to me, when, in essence, was what I was experiencing. It was the fact that I loved this thing, mm. Islam, and the people around me didn't really get it because in that mainstream world, they yeah. were like, why do you want to talk about this stuff, you know? And it was just genuine. I felt like that was a time when I was very sincere. Yeah. Not to say I'm not sincere now. I hope you know Allah protect <laughs> us. But at that time, it just was something <laughs> that there was no audience. There wasn't yeah. like a group of people that I was targeting. There was mm. nothing. Uh, I just put it online and see, just to see yeah, what would yeah. happen. And, you know, from that video, subhanAllah, you know, when you leave something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa jal replaces it. I, at that time, was touring kind of Canada alone. After I put out this For the Love video, you know, it went viral. Yeah, and at that yeah. time, Muslim viral was like, you know, you get 30,000 hits or yeah, 40,000 yeah. views. Like, that was a big deal, you know, because there, there weren't yeah, a lot yeah. of Islamic content. And because of that, I remember I got an invite to an MSA or an ISOC for yeah, you guys. Yeah, I'll yeah. translate it because I know <laughs> Brits don't really speak English. Um, <laughs> they invited me to a conference in St. Louis, right. which was my first time performing outside the country. Mm. And then from there, literally, it just skyrocketed. Like, I would just, people would invite me here, and they invite me there. Mm. And, um, yeah, that video, For the Love, really kind of propelled my online persona. Because, again, I had a lot of material before that. But I had taken some stuff down. I had, you know, put some different stuff up. But that was one of the first pieces that I I think the Muslim community really digested. I remember the in, the reaction to it was just funny because people were like, what? Like, is this okay? Yeah. People yeah. to this day, they sometimes don't, they don't even know what the poem is about. They the think poem, they took about some like... They think that's... Yeah. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a poem where I'm personifying this, this woman... And I'm talking about Islam, but yeah, I, yeah. I'm describing it in this kind of re- romantic kind of notion. Mm. And I remember Muslims would be like, this is haram. You can't talk about Islam. Like, Islam should be a man, not a woman. <laughs> this is like weird, fiky stuff that I'm like, what are you, ta- what are you even oh, talking man. about, you know? That's funny. But that, like, just commotion that emerged from it, yeah. it, I think it really opened a lot of people's eyes. And I remember there was a big blog at the time. If you, if you ask me what the name is, I can't even tell you. But it was like a pioneering Muslim platform. Okay. 
and they posted the video mm. and i remember just seeing like hundreds and hundreds of comments wasn't Ilmfeed, was it no we weren't around then no <laughs> no no you guys are probably like four years old at that time i mean you're a young I guy i don't think we were even around yeah too. yeah no 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 <laughs> So it was just, I remember just seeing the comments and people's confusion, but excitement, yeah. but understanding. And it was like just a range of mixed emotions. Sure. Now, like for a Muslim poet to put up an, uh, a, you know, a, a video, you have something to compare it to. Mm. You can be like, all right, you know, this is good as good as or not as good as this. Yeah. But at that time, there was really nothing. So that was for me a fun experience mm. to see people digest art yeah. and how they understood art. And it's kind of similar to what I'm doing right now with my filmmaking. Mm. In the sense that it's introducing or reintroducing um Something which is in our culture, right? Like storytelling mm. is embedded within Islamic cult culture. It's yeah. embedded within uh, the Quran. It's embedded within many of the narratives we understand. Hadith. This is mm. how the Prophet this is how Allah Azza wa Jal relays stories to us. Yeah. So for me, it was I was kind of like you know like poetry existed in Islam, mm. right? You know I'm not making this up for the yeah, first yeah, time, yeah. <laughs> but it was just again reintroducing that to them. And to see the reaction and, and what it led to, you know, alhamdulillah, I think it, everything happens for a reason. So I'm happy with it. Alhamdulillah. It's funny because I think that was probably the first piece that I heard from you, which was for the love. And then yeah. seeing that reaction and then obviously seeing more and more that came uh, after that. It's it's crazy how I think like back then it was more just about putting something good out and then it could spread. And nowadays you have to make sure that, you know, the visuals are on point. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't put that out, you've pretty much lost most of the audience. I, what changes have you seen over the last like... 10 years let's well just say. so that video was actually a live performance yeah right? it was yeah and yeah. and so that's something that has definitely changed because mm. i could just get away with that back in the day yeah, yeah. and i think one advantage that i have again uh, uh, over a lot of artists is because i have a lot more experience on stage mm. so in terms of performing there's two aspects there's the writing component and then there's the performance poet like uh, uh, the performance aspect so uh, <coughs> what we do is spoken word or performance yeah. poetry there's a lot of poets who their work looks better on paper Right. right then there's artists like <clears throat> myself who my work on paper may not be that impressive mm. but it's really the delivery it's how i present sure. it that makes it good and i think that nowadays you'll find there are visuals and and you know the whole kind of music video side of things yeah, yeah. that's taken off so now it doesn't really matter how good your actual art is mm. it's more of how good the visuals are right but then when these artists are brought in for a live scenario when someone says okay you did that really good online let's yeah. see you replicate that in real life at an event or whatever then they're kind of like oh you know like it's not it's not as easy to do mm. so i think that's that's the big shift that i've seen happen um the visuals have taken over yeah. and the alive performing craft part of it isn't necessarily as relevant do you think it's important to have that balance though like obviously your art has to be good but i think nowadays you have to also have that visual side to it because like i said like yes a lot of people don't focus on the art as much I, I think that as well the generation that we have now they're more interested in you can't even put a five minute video out now yeah if you put a five minute video out like most people won't even click on it like, yeah i don't even know this podcast is like an hour long like yeah unless you're interested in the actual episode or the topic or the mm -hmm. guest that we have most people don't click on these types of sure. they want to see like one and a half minute two-minute videos, Instagram. The attention like span definitely has gone it's down. It's gone down. Yeah. So, like, as an artist, has that been quite challenging for you, whether it's in the poetry side or the filmmaking side? Mm -hmm. What challenges have you faced now over the last few years? And have you had to adjust to that? I think I've tried to remain kind of sincere and pure to my initial intentions and goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that's done me well. Yeah. I think that there's always a place for classics you know there's always a place for a niche i can yeah. still perform for the love today by the way like I, yeah that's one of those pieces that you know i i will go to an event and i'll just throw it <laughs> out there and, and a lot of people have heard of it some people haven't heard of it. there's always yeah. a new audience yeah, as well sure, right sure. coming in so for me i feel like it's more important to stick to my guns stick to my instincts mm. which sometimes is okay this piece could be a little bit longer um i could do this piece as an animation with a lot of visuals or i can yeah. just do it as a performance piece um just a live performance <coughs> gig yeah i think as an artist, you have to kind of trust your instincts. Mm. Um, doesn't always mean I'm right, you know, but at the end of the day, I feel happy with what I've done. Sure. There's never really been an instance where I've delegated my creative side or my artistic side to someone else and I had to watch them work their magic and then been like afterwards, like, oh, I didn't really like how that turned mm. out. It's always been I'm in control of what I'm doing. And, and that's empowering at the same time, because in many ways you feel like your success and your <laughs> failure is up to you. Yeah. You know, whereas nowadays I was speaking with uh, my friend here, Rehan, we were talking today about the role of like, 
how industry has sort of crept into the artistic sphere yeah. where now you have people like that have managers and they have, you know, this whole social media world mm. they're trying to craft and it's about getting the perfect image and the perfect yeah, yeah, picture yeah. and it's about getting, you know, the right people involved in, in social media. And for me, I'm just like, look, I'm, I'm pure. I mean, this is what I do. This is what I love mm. and I'm going to do it the way I like it. I'm not begging for anyone to be my fan. I'm not begging yeah. for you to be my friend. If you want to enjoy it, that's great. If you don't, Bismillah, you know, you're welcome to move on. Mm. And I think that kind of... Um, I don't know if it's so much sincerity. It's more integrity, you know, yeah. just to have in artistic integrity. Yeah. Uh, I don't take what I do as a joke. You know, mm. I really do believe in it. And I try and invest my time and effort to it. And when I go out and I perform, <laughs> I put everything into it. Yeah. And I think that resonates with people. And th that's, I think, why I've had longevity <clears throat> at a yeah. time when a lot of people, I've seen many one-hit wonders, for lack of a better mm. term. You know, I've seen many people who have started off or have, you know, tried to enter this this world and it just didn't last. And I think mm. it's partly due to the fact that there's so much influence and people pulling you this way and yeah, yeah. social media and sisters and brothers and, you know, people start, their intentions start getting really funky. Mm. Um, but alhamdulillah, early on, I was able to establish myself um, with people that I trust, scholars and ulama and people that are around me that I would turn to for advice. And, and I think that part's kind of kept me a bit grounded. Mm. And so I'm not as easily swayed by the trends because trends yeah. come and go. I, I've seen things happen and things leave. Um, but again, when you are sincere to what it is you're doing, mm. I think, you know, the, the rest of it becomes quite easy. I want to talk about something that I don't think we've really spoken about. We've had quite a few creators on. We've had Ilyas Mao on. We've had Islam. Mm. We've had quite a few different. I don't think we've spoken about this aspect. So I think it would be good to speak about it with with yourself, with the experience that you have and the shift that you've seen, uh, which is about creative. So whether you're a poet or a nasheed artist or a filmmaker or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, not getting, uh, you kind of alluded to it at the beginning about not getting the platform and, and us not kind of reaching out and supporting them. Uh, like, I've seen it myself here in the UK. Uh, you've seen it around the world uh, where a lot of artists or creatives, they don't, they're not appreciated. They're not given a platform as opposed to, you know, like the, the, the generations that are past, they kind of more supported things that are like, okay, if there's a career in it, if there's studies involved, if there's a degree involved, then I'll support you. Sure. But if it's something like poetry, like where on earth is that going to get yeah, you? It's not real. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not mm. real. If you're, you want to become a filmmaker, come on, you're not Steven Spielberg. Like mm. this, this stuff, you're not Hollywood. Yeah. It's not Hollywood, right? So I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts on, on stuff like this. Like what have you seen and, and what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously like as an artist myself, I've seen it. Like it's very difficult. And then you put a lot of time and effort and everything that you have into it. And then there's nothing at the end. There's no mm -hmm. platform or you're just underappreciated. And sometimes you start thinking to yourself, is it even worth like me doing all of this? Sure. So what are your thoughts on this? I think it comes down mainly to how we define success. Mm. Uh, what is success? Is success views? Yeah. Is success the amount of people who memorize your lyrics? Is success touring? Is success money? Yeah. Or ultimately is success in creating a legacy, a lasting impact in the lives of others, which will, you will benefit from on the day of judgment, mm. right? One thing I can say I'm proud of is the fact that my work, I feel, is a sadaqa jariya. You know, mm. I was never into the habit of like, I never even used to monetize my videos. I never really cared. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's in the universe. People mm. will watch it after I'm gone. This is what I'm leaving behind. Yeah. Someone will watch this 10 years from now and they'll say, you know, subhanAllah, that helped me during a rough time. It brought me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what I'm banking on, mm. you know. And I think that's the importance of ikhlas and sincerity. Yeah. A lot of people now with the whole nasheed world and it's become more of an industry. Yeah, yeah. I know people who are, I look at them and I don't even think you're religious. You know, you're a Muslim. Yes, I'm not going to take that away from you. Mm. But I don't even think you care about Islam. Mm. I see them banking on the fact that, hey, uh, if I say these few words in this melody, I'm sure this charity will be gullible enough to bring me on board for a tour. Mm. You know, and that to me is problematic. Um, and ultimately, you know, uh, you, you get what you what you ask for. You know, if yeah, you're yeah. If, in the, from the Hadith of Prophet Sallam, you know, you taught us, uh, that, you know, about sincerities. If your intention is to have the fame, if your intention is to have the money, you will get that, right? You will achieve that mm. in this life. But if your intention is something greater than that, yeah. Even if not everybody benefit, even if you don't get a million views, yeah, yeah. Even if you share your work at a little conference, and you know, the only person inspired there is your grandmother. Mm. You know, alhamdulillah. If that's what you're in it for, you know, I think that component of it is often not discussed mm. because it's become a career <clears throat> now, which rightly so. It's, you know, it yeah, should yeah. be respected in that sense. Just the same way I feel like imams should be respected. Mm. Imams should be paid accordingly. It doesn't mean we remove the sincerity aspect of it. There's yeah. your haq too. What are you owed? 
But I think that for artists, it's sometimes not as clear. It's very yeah, yeah. blurry, a very gray area. What am I doing this for? What ultimately defines my success? Mm. And that's why I think a lot of people have come and gone. Because when they didn't achieve that success that they were expecting, they felt like, well, what's the point? You know, mm. they get burnt out very easily. I've put up videos that didn't do well. I've, you know, done stuff that, uh, according to those measurements, right, mm. that didn't necessarily reach that type of success. Yeah. But, like, I'm happy, you know. Mm. Like, I, and I, it's it's so weird to say, I feel so rich. When I go home, I have, I have a home, first of all, right, which yeah. a lot of people don't have. I have children that I, I love and I'm able to spend time with them and raise them. I have a wife. I have, I'm wearing clothes. I have a cell phone. I have food. These to, this to me what's a cell phone like, sorry a cell phone yeah I know <laughs> and UK you guys are still using pagers right I don't know what's, what's popular here but you know th this to me is like well what else do I want mm. what else you know what else is more than that people say oh I want to go mainstream I want to get big how many houses can you live in at once <laughs> how many cars can you drive at once you know how many That's phones true. can you talk at at once mm. some people can do more than one <laughs> I don't know how right but I think how you define success is also very skewed by now, for example, things like Instagram and yeah. the world we see around us. Like if you're living like day to day, paycheck to paycheck, definitely there's a jump, right? Yeah. And this is what sociologists teach us that uh, going from poor or poverty, lower income to middle class, there's a huge jump in yeah. comfortability of life. But once you're at middle class and you're doing okay and you're, you're taking care of yourself, jumping from middle class to upper class or, or to become very wealthy, there's not a huge jump in terms of happiness. Mm -hmm. Because what do you define? Like if it's a matter of food, I eat food every day. Yeah. You know, I'm not forced to fast like many people around the world are. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I'm able to afford, you know, certain luxuries in life. I can go out to dinner with my family. I can buy clothes if I want, you know. So if you're content with living a lifestyle, which mm -hmm. is suitable to, you know, any normal person, I think that there is a definite chance for you in the field of arts in mm -hmm. terms of creative Islamic arts. But if you are having ambitions that go beyond that, like you want to become, you know, you keep comparing yourself to these big mainstream acts and, mm. and those people that, you know, when it comes to morals and stuff like that, obviously we don't share that with them. Mm. So if we don't share the same morals and values, how can you share the same paycheck at the end? Yeah. I could easily sell my soul tomorrow and become, you know, world-selling touring artist. That's mm. that's out of that's not even a question. And that's what I was lined up for before I really joined into this world. Mm. I was on that same, tra I had that same trajectory. To, uh, to become like, you know, a major hip hop rap artist. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I didn't see that as success. That wasn't uh, defined to me as, as the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. I think when you're able to recalibrate and understand what does success mean to you, you're able to think more about how do I plan on achieving it. Mm, I think that's a very sound and powerful advice to be honest with you. Uh, just in the just in the day and age that we're living in, it's so it's so relevant because like you said, the Instagram mm. lifestyle, the everyone wants to make that viral video. But really like like you said, most of the time when you get that viral hit or like nowadays you've got TikTok, right? So like people yeah. are making all sorts of videos. So I know I'm old. I don't even know what TikTok stuff, is. Right? I know what TikTok is, but I I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, like yeah. I've, I've reached my social media threshold. You yeah, know? that's it, right? It's just me and I'm still on MySpace. I'm still on, you know, Black Planet. You guys know Black Planet out here? Bebo. No, you don't have that. What is it? Bebo. Bebo? No, no, I don't know. High Bebo. Five? You I know, don't remember I know High Five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a few out there, but yeah, There's definitely. A few, right? Different world, yeah. So it just, it just living in that, in this day and age, like the millennial generation want to make those hits, and but it doesn't last at all, like you said. No. Like, it's not a legacy. You might have your five minutes of fame, and then after that, it dies out, and you never really got much out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really important points you made there. I want to talk about, just moving away from the poetry side of things, you've already mentioned the filmmaking, yeah. which is quite interesting because... Buna Muhammad, maybe five, six years ago, people would always say is a spoken word artist, is a rapper, is a in that type of. But now we're seeing you kind of move towards filmmaking. You've already had uh, a, a few uh, films and productions that have been out in the past. Now you've got Righteous Sinner. Before you had Tug of War as well. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Like, what what was that transition all about? I know you're still making poetry and yeah, you're yeah. still you're still writing, but. Tell us about that transition. Yeah, so I think, again, according to kind of the Muslim vernacular, mm. we're very confident and comfortable putting people into boxes, mm. right? Like, you are a poet. You mm. are an imam. You mm. are this. This is who you are, your identity. Yeah. But people are very complex. Uh, I've been a I started acting before I even started writing poetry. Oh, wow. So okay. I have a very, actually, long history in theater. Nice. Uh, I did stage theater from when I was very young. Mm. And actually, I always loved the stage in general. And that's mm. what obviously transferred over into my performing. Yeah. Um, but I think that, being a person who loved theater 
I loved television, loved movies. I loved media in general. Mm. I always just saw myself as a storyteller. I didn't really see a big difference. Like I don't, I don't see a difference between rap and poetry. I don't really see a difference between theater and film. Mm. You know, these things are one and the same to me. So being able to express myself in a different branch of storytelling is still right up my alley. Right. If I start a clothing line tomorrow, you could be like, Oh, that's out of the ballpark. But to me, this is still very relevant. Um, so I started off, first of all, in school, I went to, uh, Ryerson university, which is in Toronto. And I studied radio and television arts, which is a very Mm. elite media program. Um, and so my background has always been in media and mm. actually I run a media production company on the side. So I do like trailers, I do, you know, documentaries, short films for different companies and stuff. Yeah. That's like my day nine <laughs> to five kind of thing. Yeah. But I always wished and I had this idea of, of doing film, mm. especially Islamic films, yeah. always noticing that there was this huge gap and a huge vacancy in this world. And mm. we always love to complain about how the media misrepresents us, about how nobody gives us a fair shot. Mm. But why don't we create our own platform? Why aren't we the ones telling our own stories? As the famous yeah. saying goes, if you're not at the table, then you are on the menu, right? <laughs> if you're not at the table, then you are on the menu. Many people will have Muslim characters. Yeah. They'll have Muslim-based stories and worlds that their movies or films revolve around. But how how rare is it that we are actually the ones shape, uh, shaping and creating those worlds? Mm. For me, it was important to tell stories that I thought were authentic to the Western Muslim experience. Yeah. And by the way, they're not always good stories. There's not always a happy ending, right? Mm. Um, my first film, Tug of War, dealt with two young Muslims who became radicalized. Mm. And that, was, again, was a very uncomfortable conversation to have. Yeah. But that's the point of art, right? Especially the art that I envision and the art that I preach is mm. critical thinking art. Art that is meant to actually affect change in the world so being able to have a film that examines these two characters see the different things that they go through and then afterwards dissecting it and having Mm. an audience there that it can ask questions and we can come up with resolutions know what should they have done right that to me is very important so similarly in this same vein uh this film righteous sinner is based off the story of barsisa the monk Mm. And this is a classic Islamic tale. It's not a hadith. It's one of the Israeliat stories. So it's a story of the people who came in the past. We don't say it's not authentic. We don't say it is authentic, yeah. but we take the benefit from it. It's uh, based on the story of a, a monk during the time of Bani Israel, mm. who is this righteous person, you know, <clears throat> stays away from, abstains from sin, major sin, all that kind of good stuff. And he's asked by his neighbors to look after their sister. Mm. I'm just explaining the story for people who haven't heard yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah. He's asked by his neighbors to look after their sister. Um, the monk initially resists. He says, no, I don't want to. It's too much fitna. I don't want to, mm. you know, it's, it's not up my alley. They beg him until he finally says, okay, fine, I'll do it. So now Shaitan comes to this man, the monk, and tells him, you know, um, you should make food for her. You know, she's probably struggling to take care of herself. Mm. I'm just paraphrasing the story. But uh, so Shaitan convinces him to then take that first initial step. So yeah. he eventually goes off and he'll, you know, leave food by her door. Then Shaitan will come to him and say, well, why don't you sit and eat with her in the house? She's probably very lonely. She has no mm. one to speak with. So then the next step he'll do that. Until eventually he goes down these these steps until he and this woman finally make zina. Mm. And after making zina, she becomes pregnant. Mm. And so now he's in this huge catastrophe. He doesn't know what to do, right? Like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, what should I do? So he thinks to himself, well, the best way to get rid of this whole situation is just to kill her. Mm. So the monk ends up killing her. After she's dead, he goes and he buries her. The brothers return home. And the brothers, hey, say, what's what's going on? Where's our sister? And he tells the, the brothers, well, you know, she died. At that time, people just die for no reason. They just cough mm. and they die, right? So they say, oh, they tell, the monk tells the brothers, oh, I we buried, uh, she died, natural causes. I buried her here. You know, I'm sorry for your loss. And they're like, okay, no harm done. Shaitan comes to the brother, one of the brothers, and tells him, actually, Barsisa made zina. She became pregnant. And she's buried here. And if you go and bury her and unbury her, you'll find that she was actually pregnant the entire time. Mm. So the brother goes and he unbury- they you know take her out of the ground. They find that she was pregnant. Then they want revenge. So they go and trying to harm Barsisa. So Shaitan comes to Barsisa now and tells him, well, I have a way out. Mm. I can get you out of this mess. If you submit yourself to me, you make sajda to me, I will get you out of this. So imagine this man started off as his righteous man. He didn't even want to you know, spend this time taking care mm. of this woman, whatever, to the point where now Shaitan is coming to him and saying, make sajda. He ends up doing it. Uh, and then, you know, he's killed or he kills himself. I can't remember how the, hadith, how the story goes, but mm. um, he ends up dying in a state of kufr, right? 
And so the scholars, when they analyze the story, they talk about the tricks of shaitan, how mm. shaitan works on people, how he kind of builds people up and then tear, tears them down. So I, when I heard this story when I was younger, I thought, you know, I was like, first of all, this story is crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. this is nuts. Like, this yeah. is some crazy thriller, thriller that's happening right now. <laughs> and I thought, what would it be like if this actually took place in modern day times? Mm. You know, how would we translate that story into 2020 in the world we live in? Yeah. So the story is based, the, the film that I made is an adaptation of this story about Sisa. Mm. I play this, um, not a monk, but an imam, a mm. junior imam. So I've studied a little bit overseas, but I'm called back to my community because my father, who was the imam of the masjid, mm. he's passed away suddenly. And so now I've been tasked with kind of looking after the community, but I'm not mm. fully like equipped to do yeah, so. Yeah. And uh, similarly, my neighbors <clears throat> in my building, they are going away on an emergency trip. They asked me to kind of look after their sister, be an emergency contact. Mm. And we began to have an illicit relationship. At the same time, I'm also dealing with a severe mental health issue. Mm. Um, in the film, basically, my character has become addicted to sleeping pills. He's suffering from insomnia. He's in a very deep state of depression. I mean, mm. he's just lost his father. His mother died when he was young. And a lot of things are going on yeah, in his yeah. life. And I wanted to tie in those different themes of mental health, of depression of uh you know premarital relationships the tricks of shaitan and so these themes kind of swirl around in this film and mm. they, cult they cultivate in, in this uh you know film righteous sinner but i use that framework of the story of barsisa to tell this story in a modern day time mm. but definitely has these many uh twists that i mentioned yeah very, i mean like you said that story growing up hearing it it was like wow like yeah, yeah. it's mental like i hear it's it and scary I, right yeah it's, it's very scary so yeah, scary yeah. That story. i remember hearing that like in a khutbah and just being like what yeah i know right he did what <laughs> yeah exactly you know? and then like especially the ending like how he went from what yeah. he was to to what he became uh so it's crazy and i'm so glad that you've actually gone out of your way to to me so so obviously alhamdulillah i've had the privilege of you know watching most of it i haven't finished it yet uh my initial thoughts Without any, there can't really be any spoilers, can there? Like because. Well, no, actually, it's different than the story okay. of Borsisa. Slight, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, without giving much away, but my initial thoughts, I guess, from watching it is, number one is thank God it's not like cheesy, mm. like you know, like typical Islamic productions right. that we've seen is like reusing the same like humming and stuff like yeah, that yeah, and no. you've actually gone out of your way to create original which actually Ilyas Mao Ilyas right yeah, he yeah, did he, it yeah. and, and, uh, that, by the way that's funny enough that's how I found Ilyas really Ilyas scored my first film Tug of War so we actually okay. did the soundtrack for that and I needed nice. a Nasheed artist to do it Ilyas was I don't know how much of his story he's told you but he was yeah. like some Jahil singer yeah, like, yeah, yeah, some yeah. crazy you know and I was like look Akhi, why are you doing this nonsense you know yeah. you could do and I saw he had a talent and I was like, you know, we could do something really amazing with your mm -hmm. talent. So he helped me score the film. He laid all the vocals for it and stuff. And then that's when we built our relationship. That's when I helped him and started writing for him and stuff. Nice. And but yeah, so Ilyas composed yeah, yeah. all the music for this as well. So that's why it, it is very, it's in it, using non-instrumental music in a film yeah. is extremely difficult. It's difficult. That's yeah, what I was going to say. Because you want music in many ways. <laughs> if you don't, you may not realize it, but if you watch a a TV show or whatever on mute mm. and you don't hear the music, you don't hear how it builds the suspense. It's very, it's very, very difficult to enjoy. Yeah. So having that component of, you know, without using instrument-based music, um, showing women only in hijab, mm. you know, that is, that, like, yeah. first of all, it, it's a jump already for a lot of Muslims for whatever reason, they feel like we shouldn't have women in film. We mm. shouldn't have women on screen. The reality is that women need to be represented. Yeah. We live in a, a real world where mm. Muslim women exist. Yeah. And if there are no positive representations of them, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Mm. So obviously having women that are dressed accordingly, and this is partly, you know, due to the, the having those scholars in the background, like people like Sheikh Navid Aziz, who's mm. been my advisor on this film, um, helping me kind of craft, you know, what are the boundaries? What, Cause there's really no thick around this. It's a yeah, very yeah, gray yeah. space, sure. but you know, having those people around that can help kind of navigate those gray areas has, has yeah. been really helpful. Yeah, no, that's, that's so important. The fact that with something, a big project like this, the fact that you've got scholars on board and that they've been advising you i think that's a, a huge lesson for a lot of us to take that always make sure you're consulting because yeah. you just don't know like you can just even even you just say one thing you know mm. when you're scripting it i'm sure it was difficult like to to make sure you weren't doing the the scene might go this way or something might pop into it so i think no it's really important that you're consulting so yeah as i was saying i think that was really good mm. i was so happy to like not yeah. hear the same humming I mean, youtube that. background uh so that's that's one thing even the performance the acting I was pleasantly surprised, if I'm honest with you. Like, I've seen short dramas before, and 
okay. Mm. You know, but you can just tell, like, some of it was forced. But mm. alhamdulillah, I felt like this one was, the acting, the performance was great. Yeah, uh, we, are, we are real actors. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you could tell, like, these, yeah. these guys aren't just, like, guys you found in the masjid. Hey, no, you want to no, jump no. in there? And the majority, <laughs> right of them, yeah, majority of them, oddly enough, are non-Muslim. So yeah, even the girl really? who the girl who plays the the lead yeah. character the lead female role yeah. of Maryam she's not Muslim. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, there, I don't know any female Muslim actresses. I'd love to have female yeah, Muslims, yeah, yeah. And I, but there, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we don't produce them. You know, like we don't yeah, we don't cultivate that. And it's back to what I was saying earlier. We don't give opportunities or spaces like that for people to flourish, anyways. Mm. So where would a Muslim female even get her first start? Where would she even get her first gig? You know. Yeah. That's, it's that's not rude. like we are running around scripting short dramas for. Them them to do bad in so that they can get mm. better it just you know for whatever reason it doesn't exist but yeah so i had to get uh, a non-muslim female but she okay. did a great job as yeah, well yeah, she, yeah, sure. i know it's funny like <clears throat> she was so cool with it you know a lot of times these actresses are brought onto sets and they're yeah, like okay yeah. we want you to take off these clothes we want you to um you know have this make out scene or whatever and i'm yeah. like no put on a bunch of clothes <laughs> don't do anything crazy don't touch anyone yeah so she was like yeah this is it's better than what I normally get, you know? Yeah. So even though it was playing an Islamic role, they actually, everyone who was involved in it was like, yeah, this is great. This is 100%, 100% better than what we normally do. Wow, that's interesting to know. Uh, and I guess the final thing that I was going to say, uh, just initial thoughts wise, is um, it's just, it's good to see the topic, the topics that were in there, the themes that were covered. And I think it's very, very relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, you've kind of taken that classical tale and you've adapted it in the modern you know 2020 where we're living and all of these issues are so relevant to, to the muslim community and like you said some of it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, and i think it is it's i, I can already foresee that it's going to be difficult for certain people to digest oh my god it's an islamic movie because the moment you hear the word movie you mm. think like something crazy like from hollywood and it's like haram yeah. and it's like no cover your eyes you yeah. can't see it right but now it's like an islamic movie is that is that even a thing like isn't mm. that an oxymoron like islamic and movie how do you put the two together yeah uh, and that must have been quite challenging for you right like because i just want to know like when it came to the whole procedure like scripting it you know, how long did this project take oh my okay because so, i can i can just imagine like oh, so i how... shot it in 2017 <laughs> so that's, what yeah. 2017 i shot it in 2017 Seriously? yeah so i'm wow. releasing it now in 2020 wow yeah Okay. That's how long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that, yeah. tell, that tells yeah, us. Yeah, it says a lot. Yeah. Wow, okay. So, so it's just the process is extremely long. And so what have you been process. doing over the last few years? Has it just been like uh, editing? Post and editing. All of that? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It takes that long? It takes a long time, yeah. especially when wow. you're on a low budget. Like, yeah, yeah, Obviously, of course. you're independent. Mm. Um, in, in all fairness, I did shoot two other films in the, in the same time yeah. as well. So like, I, it wasn't like I was just doing nothing. Yeah, I wasn't no, working on anything, yeah. I shot another film... Uh, the year before last and I shot another film this last summer as well so mm. that also has been taking a bit of my time away but um, yeah like <clears throat> I think it's so important to create stories that are captivating that mm. tell you know sometimes uncomfortable truths yeah like you said people might not necessarily so th those two words Islamic films mm. people not don't necessarily put those together because they don't know how those two things can work together yeah and that's part of the vernacular that we have. And that's what we need to change. That yes, we can. The same way I used to struggle with Islamic poetry. Mm. People used to be like, how can this, how can you do Islamic poetry? Yeah. They used to tell me, and this is a very uh, subtle, backhanded, racist comment. They used to say, oh, it sounds too much like rap. Mm. Right? And when someone says it sounds too much like rap, they mean it sounds too black. Yeah. Right? That's like the nice way of saying it's yeah. too black. So I think with this film... It's again, and uh, trying to convince Muslims that no, it's a real thing. Mm. We can craft and shape our own stories based on our own principles, based on our own narratives. We don't have to compromise. We don't have to do things to appease other people. Yeah. I was talking to my friend earlier and we were talking about the fact that one of the pet peeves I have is that when Muslims do try and enter the mainstream sphere, they do so in a way that is still appeasing to the quote-unquote masses, mm. right? You can only have certain Muslim characters. You can have the goofy Muslim character. You can have like the bad boy Muslim character. But you can't have an actual practicing Muslim mm. character. That is outside the lexicon of the Western world because that represents a threat. That's something we don't want to enjoy. Yeah. We can't see religious people as people that are actually human. Mm. So for me to then flip it on its own head and say, actually, we are the mainstream. Mm. The people who are not Muslim watching this are actually on the outside. Yeah. I don't translate any words. If you notice in the film, I don't yeah. translate like, oh, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, brother. <laughs> you know, like I don't do any yeah. of that kind of junk, right? Because I, I assume you're watching this coming from my world. Yeah. Which is an actual 
complete mentality shift. Mm. That's the thing that I think is more revolutionary than any is that I am seeing us as the mainstream. I'm trying to value our perspectives. Mm. I'm not trying to minimize mm. our moral values. A lot of times you'll find Muslim characters who are just, I'm, I'm a funny guy or I'm an angry guy or I'm this crazy guy and I mm. happen to be Muslim. But for me, it's like, no, I'm Muslim first and foremost. And Islam is what shapes my worldview. Mm. So it goes without saying that I would be uncomfortable being alone with this woman. Yeah. Right in the beginning yeah. of the film, mm. there's a reason why we have this heightened sexual tension because yeah. that's the culture that we come from, that mm. a man and a woman alone, you know? So those things I don't explain. Mm. I remember my first film, Tug of War, I had a, a journalist who, uh, I said that to her, I said, no, I make Islamic films, I make films for Muslims. Yeah. And this journalist actually got offended by that. Really? She's this white lady, yeah, and she was like, oh, so what are you trying to say? That like, you know, white people or non-Muslims can't enjoy your films? I'm like, no, you can, yeah. but it's not for you. Mm. The same way Bollywood is not for everyone, right? <laughs> Bollywood doesn't make films thinking about some guy in Ethiopia like enjoying their movie. Like, and it's very clear, Bollywood yeah, has yeah. it. And I think Western media does that so flawlessly and naturally that mm. we don't even realize we're not the audience. Mm. Most of the TV shows we watch, they don't have any people of color. They don't represent our values. They don't yeah. represent our views. They don't care about what we think. But we're the idiots who just sit there and be like, oh, okay, this, this is funny. <laughs> Let me just watch it, right? So in order for us to actually empower ourselves to be like, no, you're the outsiders, dude. You Mm. are the ones who are outside of this world. This is the world that we live in. Mm. And if you don't necessarily agree with these values, that's fine. You don't have to watch it. But we're not going to change what we believe to appease you. Yeah. Right. That's the difference. That's what, to me, makes an Islamic film. And then, of course, there's the parameters by how you make the film, you know, using Islamic, uh, using the themes of that are, that are relevant to Muslims. Mm. Um, then there's the Sharia <clears throat> stuff like music and, you know, women and hijab and yeah. those kind of stuff that, you know, there's a nitty gritty stuff. But I think for me, fundamentally, there is a mental shift mm. in how we understand the audience we're watching. So when I did the first film, Tug of War, I remember some people would tell me, well, we get this film, but what if white people watch it? What are they going to say? <laughs> They're going to get upset. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't care what these people say. This, it's not yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, why can't you accept that you are in charge? Like, I made this for you. Mm. It's the strangest thing. SubhanAllah. It's like giving a, a present to someone and they're more worried about how everyone else is going to enjoy the present. I didn't do it for them. Yeah, I did it for yeah, you. Yeah. I think you're important enough that you should have a story that is based in your world. And so that I think to me is is it's it's revolutionary really in the way we understand ourselves in the way we understand the role that we play in the world in the way we understand um, how our values are respected. You know, I'm not waiting for someone to tell me Islam is okay. I'm I already believe in it. I'm yeah, good. Yeah. You know, it's it's so funny you mentioned all those points and like the same amount of like energy and support that Muslims give to like you said mainstream or Hollywood. If we gave that same amount of it, like as an example, I'm not going to mention the TV show because I don't want to give it anything. But you'll know there was this uh, recent show on Netflix that came out mm. and everyone was going crazy about it because it's about Dajjal. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the energy that the Muslims gave to that, I genuinely feel like the producers of that show probably in their minds renewed it for season two because they knew the they Muslims knew. were going to watch it. They knew. And guess what? When it came out, it was the Muslims that were watching it. The same ones that were complaining, oh my God, how could they make a thing about Dajjal? How are they flipping this and making it positive? They were, I'm telling you, every Instagram story I saw, I'm watching I'm watching it right now. I'm mm-hmm. watching the show right now. Like, come on, man. You don't give that same energy to like stuff that's out there in the Muslim scene. Yeah. Uh, I genuinely feel like, Inshallah, you know, like through through work, through works like, um, you know, Righteous Sinner, Tug of War, if Muslims just get behind and support it, because oh, what do you think? Is it is it a challenge for you? Like, what's the biggest challenge or obstacle you faced creating this? Because like you said, 2017, you recorded it. Mm-hmm. It's coming out in 2020. Yeah. And I respect that because you haven't rushed it and you haven't just tried to get something out. You've clearly, mm-hmm. you know, worked on crafting and, and mastering this. Mm-hmm. What's one of the biggest challenges you faced? Well, definitely resources are limited you yeah. know, when you're dealing with a, a small budget. Like, mm. uh, so Righteous Sinner costs me to make, I would say like 30,000 pounds less, probably less wow. than 30,000 okay. pounds. Okay, that is a tight budget. So uh, that yeah. sounds like a lot to some people yeah. who don't know how film yeah, budgets yeah. work, right? Uh, like a film budget, you don't even start until you got like four or five mil in the yeah, bank, yeah. right? Wow. So the fact that I made the entire thing for like 30,000 pounds is like already... <sighs> It tells you the amount of shoestrings yeah. that I, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm, I'm paying people with dua. I'm like, <laughs> I was, this dua, you're going to feel in the day of judgment, inshallah. Don't worry, you're not going to get paid today, but I'll pay you that day. Right? So it's to that extent wow. that our resources are so limited. Mm. And again, me going around and, and trying to fundraise for the film, because I, alhamdulillah, I do have p- people that did support mm. me, you know, mm. Zakhmal Khair to all of them. And 
you have people who again cannot understand how that's even part. like i would go to a masjid I, I, did, I did one fundraiser at a masjid i raised a decent for, amount for the film yeah for the film yeah wow i can imagine no for that. my first film not for this yeah, one, okay, for my first, but even then it's a funny yeah, like imagine yes. after after juma khutbah <laughs> oh brother we have some men in the hallway they're raising money for a movie a movie they're making right oh everybody's God. like what like what just imagine to, that going down in East London, like, right? It'll be crazy. <laughs> Ajib, right? People think you're crazy. Yeah, but yeah. like, how do you think this gets made, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. the only way. Sure. And and so for some people, I think it's it's again it's it's so it's so strange how we think, mm. because you might think, okay, if I give you a dollar or a pound uh, to make this movie, is it the same as giving a pound for this orphan child? And I tell people, or they say, why would I give it to you when I can give it to that? And I think to yourself, I think to myself, do you know who Allah is? Mm. This comes from a fundamental lack of understanding, actually, of who is Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah is Ar-Razaq. When you give for His sake, do you think that it disappears and that's it? It's an endless pond mm-hmm. and your bank account is becoming nil? No, if you give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you believe, as Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us, Sadaqah burhan Sadaqah is a burning proof of your iman. If you have that iman and you believe that, mm-hmm. no, if I give for your sake, it's going to come back to me, then you can do two things at once. It's not me or this orphan child. It's yeah, not yeah. me or this. It's both. Yeah, yeah. Give for this, give for that. Give for projects that are outside the norm, right? Mm. And that's how you build sustainability. That's how you build industries like what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I think that is a major shift that sometimes I have to convince Muslims of. Yeah. It's getting over that psyche of why should I invest in something like this? Why should I give my money to something like? This? And then when people see it, the people that have supported me, obviously they already know what's up. Yeah, you know, yeah. people that are, and I've had people, mashallah, tabarakallah, very generous. I had a brother actually recently gave me ten thousand dollars, U.S. dollars, for my up- upcoming film as a donation, just feasibility yeah, yeah. you know. Brilliant, mashallah. And he's a very smart person. I'll tell you why, because he's investing in all the people that will watch this film. All the people that will benefit, all the people that will then be inspired and say, I want to make something in the future, mm. all the khair that will come from it. It will live online. People will benefit. They will take those lessons and implement them into their lives. Yeah. He is invested in Sadaqah Jariya more than maybe perhaps I have mm. because my intentions could be skewed. I'm here and there. Yeah. I'm focused on this. I'm focused on that. But his intentions, mashallah, tabarakallah, was fi sibilillah. Didn't want his name on it. Didn't really care. It was just in the background. Yeah. He saw, I like what you're doing, brother. You are the future of what we're doing. Here's some money. Brilliant. Right? I, if I had. 17 of these if I had 17 of this brother man I'd be like Nollywood I'd be making a movie every week I'll be in and out you know but the reality is that I'm on a shoestring budget right yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting first of all most of the money is my own that mm. I'm investing into my films yeah. I'm taking whatever I have and this you need a special level of yaqeen like this is not yeah. I'm not bragging about it I think I'm more crazy than anything right it's to really believe in yourself and to <clears> believe that you know what if I do this for the sake of Allah yeah. well Allah really let me down well, Allah really tell me, you know what? I I appreciate what you've done, your yeah. good deeds, but it's just not it's not good enough. Mm. You know, how do you understand Allah? What do you think about Allah? You know, do you have husnul dhan of Allah Azza wa Jal? Do you think good of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? And I think you can only be an entrepreneur, a creative entrepreneur, unless you have yeah. that husnul dhan of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Unless you think good of Allah, mm. because I genuinely believe that. If it wasn't for the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it wasn't for the people that would come my way, yeah. like this brother who I don't even know, mm. I don't know him at all. I never met him in my life. Wow. You know. And he legit just reached out to me and said, I want to give you money. Like that, if that's not an answer to a dua, I don't know what is, you know? So I'm working on a different playing field. I feel like everyone is worried about trying to appease these people, trying to appease. I'm worried about trying to appease Allah. Hmm. And when Allah Azza wa is your producer, when he's the one who is behind the hmm. scenes making things work, alhamdulillah, you're always in good hands, right? So I always see it in that sense that that's the difficult part. It's hmm. uh, Sometimes it's a mental game of myself. Like, yeah. should I push myself? <clears throat> should I pull back? Should I even do this film? Is it going to be received well? Hmm. The other aspect is sometimes the gatekeepers. I was mentioning this as well to my friend earlier, that there are a lot of gatekeepers in our community, people that they just assume something like this will not do well. Or for whatever reason, they don't want it to do well. Or there's something in it which they don't like. Mm. So when I did my film about uh, radicalization, there were some people who said, well, we're scared to talk about this first and foremost. Even though it might help people, Mm. we don't want the political potential political backlash that can come from it. Mm. And especially at that time, 2015, you know, when ISIS is really big and, and of course in the UK, they were, everyone was crazy about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, I remember, just a fitna in and of itself, trying mm-hmm. to convince people that, hey, look, I know this is an uncomfortable topic, but this is good for our community to have. Yeah. We can benefit. We can grow from this. And from that one film, subhanAllah, I kid you not, I had one, I showed that, that film, Tug of War. Uh, it was about these two young people who were becoming radicalized. And yeah. it was obviously trying to convince young Muslims to not go down that road, right? Mm-hmm. I, I showed the film at one university, in a, in a Canadian university. I won't say the name of it. And there was a young girl who came up to me afterwards. 
And the whole time she was watching the film, I could see her reaction because she would see things and she'd be like, what? She's like, what? Are you kidding me? She like didn't know if it was a comedy or if yeah, we were being yeah. real. Like her reactions were very skewed. It didn't yeah. match anyone else in the audience. And afterwards she came up to me and she's like, look, brother, I really respect you. She knew me from poetry and stuff. And she's like, but do you mean to tell me that ISIS is wrong? Like, what are you talking about? And I was wow. like, I was like, hold on. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, and I and then there was a lineup of people asking questions. I'm like, everybody, just give us a few minutes. Let me just figure out what's going on here. Yeah. I come to find out that she has been secretly being brainwashed by these girls in her community, these young girls who actually mm. tried to join ISIS and got rejected at the border, and wow. now they had come back and they were basically giving her mm. their own weird, you know, skewed skins of yeah. dawa. Yeah, they were brainwashing her. And then when she heard and saw the other side of things, when she saw a Muslim speaking out against that type mm. of phenomenon. She was like, just confused because she was living in a bubble. She yeah. hadn't really spoken to anyone else. And so I told her, I said, no, sister. I said, those people are wrong. That's not mm. Islam. Islam doesn't tell you to do that. She was like, oh. And afterwards, I was like, subhanallah. I said, wallahi, if I saved this one sister from ruining her life, this mm. whole thing was worth it. Subhanallah. If I saved one person from ruining her life, from harming other people, from throwing her entire life down the drain. She was only like 17, 18 years old. Wow. If I did that, this whole thing, sweat, blood, and tears, alhamdulillah, I can sleep at night knowing that I did the right thing, mm. you know? And I, I get emotional when I think about it because I think, you know, how powerful storytelling can be. Exactly. Some people don't realize it. Our lives are shaped by the stories we see. Mm. Children grow up with low self-esteem because they never see themselves positively represented. Yeah. As a brown young man, as a brown young kid, when you watch TV and everyone you see that is good is white, Mm. everyone that is positive every superhero captain america um you know hercules all these people that are powerful and strong they are they're not you mm. that plays a huge immense burden on your head like that's how you end up seeing the world that's why i mean black panther was such a huge success and it's just yeah. a huge hit because people saw wow you know you can be some you can be different and still mm. be empowered yeah 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 so I think if people really understood what the media does to us internally, yeah. subconsciously, without having to say, oh, yeah, blatant racism or some guy says something negative, that's subtle. That, I mean, mm -hmm. that's blatant. That we can take apart later. But what it does to people and young people mm -hmm. in particular, just mentally, how we view ourselves, how do you see yourself on screen? Mm -hmm. Why are we never the good guys? Why are we never the ones who are... Our worlds are being valued. Because again, in my films, not every Muslim is a good character. Not, not to say they're all yeah, you know, yeah. the, 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 the te best people in the world, but they're real. And they are not outside of the normal scope. Mm. You know, We are a part of this world. And yeah, sometimes our stories aren't great, but it's important that we value them. Mm. You know, I'm really, really excited for this film to come out now. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's, let's find out when, when we here in the UK and to be honest, Alhamdulillah, Ilmfeed, we have like an international audience. So Allahu when Akbar. can we, inshallah, uh, see this film? On the big screen, so uh, is that even possible? You're like, oh, a f an Islamic film on the big screen is that even possible? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we've taken, I've, t I've shown my film in theaters. Yeah, I sh I've shown my films in masjid. Uh, banquet halls <laughs> yeah. well I showed my films in masallas as well wow. this is guerrilla filmmaking like yeah. forget the way we made it the way we're showing it is on a different <laughs> level like I don't care one time I showed my film <laughs> I had a screening that got cancelled in Malaysia and one of the organizers was like you know what we're just going to show it at my house No. so hey. they went to their house and they set up TVs in every room and they had a live feed going. So we had like 15 sisters in one room. We had these other guys. In, and we just showed the TV simultaneously. That is so funny. And I was like, yo, I was like, that's what it is. I'm, uh, I'm in the mud right now. I got to get it where I get it. You know, like, I don't care. That's fine. So, but alhamdulillah, you know, uh, we're, we're showing this film for the first time in the UK on uh, April 4th okay. in London and uh, April 5th in Manchester. Nice. This is just of a test trial. Yeah, Ramadan yeah. came at a kind of awkward time this year. Mm. People are still in school and stuff. So we wanted to just do a bit of a test run before mm. Ramadan. And then after Ramadan, we're going to do a kind of bigger launch and hopefully take it city to city. So um, if tickets are available now, you can go to likemedia.tv. Yeah. You can get the uh, tickets for those two dates. And if you stay in touch with me on social media, on my Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you yeah. can see more of the uh, screening dates coming up soon, inshallah. Brilliant. And I think a lot of people will be asking uh, who can't make it that later on, is it going to be available online? Is there, is there a way of, of, yeah. of watching so it online? So actually my other films, so Tug of War and Detainee X, which is the second film that I put out they're both yeah. available for streaming right now if you go oh, to safinamedia.com yeah you can actually purchase the films and make them available for streaming so this is again it's a weird because i'm like the first one doing this or i'm yeah. part of a first wave of movements it's not like there's any blueprint i can follow mm. right i don't know what else to do i mean i can 
show it in theaters and then afterwards I can make it available online. Yeah. But it's not like I can just give it to Netflix or Amazon or all these places. Like it, yeah. it's not, there's no infrastructure set up currently. Mm. So this is what I'm working on as well. Uh, if there's some smart people out there that know how to do something better than me, Bismillah, maybe they can help me. But yeah, this is what yeah. I've been doing. I've been just literally taking the film city to city. I have to watch myself every single... You know how hard that is to do? <laughs> just keep watching myself over and over. I mean, I like it. Alhamdulillah, I did a yeah. good job. So it's not that bad. But that's part of the, the struggle is like, you know, I agree. Like someone misses the screening and then what? Yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, we are working on that. That's uh, unfortunately a reality of how it mm. is now. But similarly, what happens in normal films, if you miss it in theaters, you wait till it comes out on, uh, we're not doing DVDs anymore. That's long <laughs> yeah, gone, but yeah. it is available for Online. streaming at safinamedia.com. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Really, alhamdulillah. Yeah, like I said, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, I think I've, I've personally enjoyed it so far. And I definitely think that this is going to be, especially in particular this film, mm. I think inshallah is going to be a big hit. I can feel it coming. Inshallah. inshallah and inshallah. I'm really excited for you. Exactly. Uh, so. And keep up the great work, inshallah. Thank you Continue paving and leading the way And uh, inshallah Those of you watching uh, Keep an eye out For Righteous Sinner It's going to be uh, At a screening near you Or inshallah online Very very soon uh, May Allah bless you Thank you so much for joining Ameen. us Zakhla And hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on very soon Inshallah Thank you inshallah. very much for having thank me Thank you so much May Allah subhanahu wa bless you all Thank you so much for uh, Watching and tuning into this podcast episode With our brother Buna Muhammad From Canada uh, Keep an eye out for Righteous Sinner Inshallah And uh, of course subscribe To our channel On YouTube, on iTunes, and all of the rest of the platforms, inshallah. From your host, Shabir, I will catch you all next time, inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.